Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Palmer bet on the edge of the box. Oh, it's a straight up screamer. Download our app today and enjoy straight up screamers this FIFA World Cup with great odds, great promos and same game multi at Palmerbet. Gamble responsibly. For gambler's help, call 1-800-858-858. For logbook servicing you can rely on, you need to make the right choice. You need trained professionals who are fully qualified to service your car according to manufacturer's specifications. For real peace of mind and a nationwide warranty, book in or book online at repcoservice.com. Time for a McCafe coffee catch-up. And after what it feels like years now of agonising back and forth rugby injection from private equity group Silver Lake in New Zealand might be finally one step away as NZR have called a special general meeting for June the 2nd to allow members to vote on the new proposal. It's one which will New Zealand Players Association have worked with the NZR to be comfortable with and now it's time for the provincial unions to offer their support come vote time. Rob Nicholas, CEO of New Zealand Rugby Players Association, he's on the line now. More Rob. Yeah, good morning, Izzy. How are you? I'm very well, mate. Very, very well. Thanks for joining us. Um, yeah, so June 2nd, we're finally coming to uh, a situation where we're going to get the vote, mate. What's, what's your initial reaction to this? It's been a long time coming. Yeah, it has, but, you know, good things take time, as they say, I suppose. It's been an easy process. I think it's pretty well documented mm. that we've had our challenges, but it's been robust, and we've done the due diligence, and you know, from our board's perspective, we think that if we're to look at this kind of pathway forward, which is what New Zealand Rugby have indicated, then we think that the proposal on the table is good, so we've approved it. But we've also um, completely respected that the provinces have to do their due diligence and the Māori Rugby Board. And, um, you know, all we're here really is the resource and, and, and answer questions as best we can and, and let them make their decisions. And, and then if it's a yes, then we're at the start line and we can really get on and make it happen together. And if it's not, then, then so be it. But... Uh, you know, let's see how it pans out over the next three or four weeks. Yeah, what's your initial feel for doing June the second? Um, you know, like we've obviously got to the situation. There's been years of negotiating back and forth. We've got to a scenario now. June the second, the vote's going to happen. Do you feel it's going to be passed, and and we're going to be able to move forward? And you spoke about pathways and 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 getting getting the community rugby back up and running. What's your initial feel for for June two? June two. No, we feel pretty um, pretty confident about it, but mainly because of the thoroughness <laughs> as a result of that that process, yeah. you know. And like I said, you know, all we can do is speak from our perspective and from the players' perspective. We've we've approved. We're fully on board with it. If this is the direction that New Zealand Rugby and the provincial unions want to take, you know, the New Zealand Rugby Union Board have also given their stamp of approval. But we must be respectful of the members, mate, and, and we'll be a little bit guided by them because. 
you know, Israel, like a team, really, everyone's got to be on board and everyone's got to be committed to it. And you have to respect where, where different you know, constituents are coming from or different team members are coming from. And mm. um, let's, let's let it pan out. But um, we feel that all the work that can be done has been done. I think um, most people would say that the due diligence or the questions that can be asked have been asked and answered the best they can. And now um, now we just let them let, let the Prince Unions Motor Rugby Board make their decision. Hey, Rob, Louis here, man. I love the word you use, robust. And obviously, I think from one thing we can gather, the reason that this process has kind of maybe felt like teeth pulling at times from the outside looking in is probably because the people involved are just care so deeply about what this is going to do to the future of the sport in the country. I don't think anybody questions that from any uh, end of it. Could you just run us through, at the, well, as best you can, at surface level, what is different about this version of the deal that, the Players Association, you guys had a big impact on kind of changing from the first version that came across you? Yeah, look, I think um, you're right. Everyone has come from a really strong and positive place and, and it's because they care deeply mm. about the rugby and, and the, what rugby means to this country right across the board. And I think if you look back at it, you know, good on New Zealand rugby, they looked at the, the structure we're under at the moment and, the, and, and they challenged it. And there's nothing wrong with that. In fact, you say, good, well done. Um, for challenging it mm. and through a process have identified an opportunity and you know it took a while for everyone to get their head around it I think the first proposal that was put on the table we had some questions and issues around it and that's been pretty well documented um, when the opportunity came to re-engage with New Zealand Rugby and Silver Lake around the table and it certainly wasn't just us it was a real team effort and a very you know that the process was pretty sour I guess we brought some questions and perspective to it that that perhaps hadn't been thought about as much. And I think in this deal that we've got now, um, you know, in most of the metrics, you're right, it's different. And we just feel, I suppose, in two to three aspects. One is we feel it's more comprehensive um, in terms of a partnership between between all the parties. You know, not only is Silver Lake getting an opportunity to, to invest at a, I suppose it's an increased valuation, um, the, the amount of net revenue we're selling moving forward has decreased significantly from 12.5% to you know, between 5.7 and 8.5. And um, but it's, it's more comprehensive in that New Zealand institutional investors and, and New Zealanders invest in those those companies. Um, we're getting the opportunity to co-invest alongside Silver Lake. So it's it's a partnership between the people in a way and Silver Lake that are investing in the game. And we always felt that if anyone deserved an opportunity to invest in the game, it was, it was New Zealanders. And whilst it's not them directly to start with and it's coming through their institutional investor network, you know, we think that's a really nice mix and it sets things up really nicely for down the track that if things are successful over the next seven, eight years and Silver Lake eventually look to exit after coming on as, as part of that partnership and building the capability and revenue in the game, then it sets up an opportunity for the for the public through an initial public offering and the likes to mm. come in and, and, and take them out and, and the ownership of the game rests with New Zealanders. And so that was really important. And the other aspect to it was, um, you know, there's an opportunity globally to co-invest alongside Silver Lake. So we always looked at it and said, you know, we can understand why private investment are interested in partnering with a brand like the All Blacks and the legacy of rugby in New Zealand um, because mm. we've been reasonably good at what we do. Uh, and most of the country can understand and recognise that. It's not to take it for granted moving forward, but we've got a reputation. And whoever gets to partner with the All Blacks mm. is going to have a... A, a strong feather in the cap, if you like. And we just looked at Silver Lake and said, you're actually really, really good at what you do globally. So how do we get a piece of that? And so it was a bit of a quid pro quo. So, you know, they're setting up a, a global rugby investment vehicle and um, and Rugby New Zealand gets an opportunity to partner in that investment and be a part of the upside that that investment creates. And 
And that, that's investment in things that are outside of rugby New Zealand, if you like. So it might be a rugby technology company, it might be a competition, a tournament, a team. But you guys alluded to it in the introduction, private investment is coming into the game globally. Silver Lake see that opportunity. They want to be a part of it. And the way we've structured this deal, we'll be able to be alongside of them and taking advantage of that. So you end up with more of a balance. You know, They're investing in us for what we have to offer and, and the potential they can see to help us grow not just revenue, but that all comes around fan engagement and continuing to perform on the field and community engagement and, and people continuing to want to follow the game and participate in the game. But we get to tap into their expertise. And so that comprehensive mm-hmm. nature of it is probably the biggest thing from our perspective that we really like. Plus the economics of it, we're spot on. You know, the valuation's gone up. We haven't had to sell as much net revenue moving forward. And the structure we've taken it in, we've, we've capped the amount of distributions because it's an interest rate for the first three years at 4%. So, so the economics of it also stack up a lot more from our perspective. And I suppose you package that all up and, and our board looked and said, you know what, mm. this is um, this is really exciting. And, and if it gets a green light, we will be rolling up the sleeves and doing everything we possibly can uh, to knock it out of the park, to be frank. Hey, Rob, you just spoke about the um, private equity firms coming on board and, and they're offering something that we probably potentially haven't seen before in sports. So so what are those some of those things going forward that you potentially could see New Zealand rugby on, on a global stage kind of with the Silver Lakes? What are some of the things they could probably help us elevate us on the world stage? Yeah, look, it's a, it's a very good question because um, a lot of people might be sitting there and with some of the narrative, they're looking at what's happening and they're thinking, oh, it's all right, Silver Lake's got to come along and they're going to do everything. It's not like that at all. Mm. Um, in fact, yeah. it's, it's quite the opposite. It actually puts more acid on us, rugby in New Zealand, New Zealand rugby, the players' association, the provinces, the clubs, on us to really, really you know, lift performance. Um, so what, what they're mm. bringing is, they're obviously bringing some capital, but to be frank, you can get capital from lots of different places. Um, one of the things we think New Zealand rugby have done well through this process is they've found a partnership in Silver Lake or a potential partner in Silver Lake, who have got proven track record of investing in opportunities, opportunities for them to drive a big return. And the attitude they take in trying to drive that return is a it's much more clarity of focus around strategy and what is required to generate that return and what is the kind of capability you need to execute on that plan. And you've heard a lot through this whole process around New Zealand rugby weren't just looking for capital, they were looking for capability. Silver Lake don't necessarily have that capability. What they have is they have the ability to come and work with rugby in New Zealand, develop the strategy, and then tap into their connections and their experiences in growing other businesses and taking advantage commercially of an asset and getting a return on it and putting and helping you build the right team to do that. But it's still going to come down to us to do it. You know, they're, they're not going to come along and we can sit back in the couch. It's far from that. They'll, they'll bring expertise, they'll bring focus, they'll bring drive and experience in generating return on investment. And that asset, if you like, that, that kind of performance requirement means that we're all going to have to lift our game. And it will mean that they will open doors and introduce um, opportunities to bring people into the game to build that commercial capability and get that fan engagement and drive the commercial return. That's the kind of ethos that, that and the conversations that have been happening. So, yeah. yeah, really important for people to understand this is not like we just pass it over, someone else has done it. It's far from that. We've actually, in rugby New Zealand, the asset's going to be on to step up. Uh, then I think that's exactly right, Rob, because you look at it, we are the experts at rugby, and, and Silver Lake 
I mean, they have to know that they wouldn't. They would never ever try and manhandle or rip that that away. It would just make no sense. Everything you just explained makes perfect sense. What about on the global scale at the moment? Obviously, conversations going on up in Dublin with the World Rugby or well, different bosses around the world. Uh, another crack at hopefully getting a some sort of um, <laughs> global calendar together where we can have a nations championship or something to give a bit of context to World Rugby. Does that tie in as the next evolution and is something that you see quite important? Yeah, we do. And uh, Izzy will be having a little laugh because probably when he was an 80-year-old kid coming into professional rugby, he would have heard us talking about this opportunity. Uh, <laughs> so it's been a long time coming. Uh, <laughs> a good mate of his, Conrad Smith, has been at the forefront of it from a player's perspective. But just over the last 18 months, there's been there's been some real traction um, around this area. And the couple of things that, you know, from a player's perspective, we've got this player council, a global player council, and there's, there's probably 30 to 40 players, male and female, from around the globe. And we've been able to really tap into that group and, and identify some key principles of what a kind of competition running in that July-November window could look like. That's been put on the table with World Rugby, SANS, our Six Nations, and the Tier 2 Developing Nations, which is really important to me. And then when we measured up against those principles, a couple of competition model options have come out that kind of tick those boxes. The, the unions have looked at it and said, actually, that, that, that could make quite a lot of sense. And the developing nations have said, you know what, if we could pull this off, this is a great opportunity for us. You know, we've got an aspirational pathway. Um, we can come through and get into the top flight. But in the meantime, we would have no meaningful competition year out, year out that we can commercialise and that our players know we're going to get fixtures and things. So... So the, the, there's a couple of models on the table and what's been reported in the media is not too far off the mark. The, the, big, the big thing now, I think, is, is the commercials. And it's like everything in professional sport. If, if a party who has a, a few feet to write a veto or, you know, for it to come, so starting point, for it to work, everyone's got to jump on board with it because there's so many complex broadcasting arrangements, competition structures. It's quite hard just to do it unless everyone's on board with it. If one of the key parties feels that they're going to be commercially worse off, they're not going to jump onto it, right? So somehow, mm. now that we kind of have a competition that people are thinking this could be the one that works and is comprehensive involving all the nations, etc., can we drive the commercial revenues where everyone's going to be better off? So can we grow the pie in a way that everyone's going to be better off? And that's the ten <laughs> tough conversations and the bit of work that's happening now. And to be perfectly honest, my view is that's only a matter of time before that absolutely happens. So it's whether it happens yeah. this year or next year, um, I think what we're drilling down to, Laz, now is more the commercials as opposed to what's the rugby comp. Yeah. Yeah, so that, I asked that question yesterday to Louie and the crew. I said, who holds, who holds all the car? Obviously, the Six Nations, the success, the kind of formula, the, the competition that they've got, it's been very successful. And us coming in from down under, do, do the All Blacks with, um, you know, how they're revered and renowned on the world stage, do they hold any of the cards or is it England RFU? Are they the, in the driving seat here? Um, everyone has a point of leverage guys. Um, the players mm. have a point of leverage, mm. the national un- various national unions do. Even the Tier 2 nations, people say, oh, Tier 2 nations are yeah. well for the ride. Well, you know, you've got to factor in the Tier 2 and developing nations. See, even that terminology, yeah. wouldn't it be great to ditch it one day? You know, like, yeah. th- th- You're for right. example, yeah. what's their point yeah. of leverage? You know, why, why would they continue to play a World Cup unless we can give them something meaningful to be a part of outside of that tournament? And what's a World Cup yep, if you only got the like, top eight or ten nations? It doesn't exist. So mm. everyone has a point of leverage. Um, it's it's yep. just you know cracking this commercial nut. 
Um, I think, you know, come back to your question around private equity. You've seen CBC take a strong position around Six Nations, the Premiership Rugby, the, the other rugby competitions in the Northern Hemisphere. I think part of the, the thing, the changing dynamic we have now is that the relationship between Six Nations and the clubs, because CBC is involved in both levels, has improved. Um, and particularly from a commercial perspective, I think the way that they're looking at it, because CBC is across both, seeing that actually for them to grow the game, they need the South. We know from the South, for us to grow the game and be a part of the game at the level we need to to retain talent, we need the North. And I think that's yeah. what that... It's almost like an independent lens and that commercial focus has brought, is that, mm. hey, guys, um, history, all that sort of stuff, that's fine, but this is about moving forward. What's the right thing for the yeah. game? Because whatever's right for the game, the fans and the players, is ultimately going to deliver the biggest commercial return and that's where CBC is saying, how are we going to generate a return on our investment? Well, frankly, we need the South and we need a global competition and we need a world club champs. And we, you know, and I think there's a fair bit sort of, sort of happening here. So that's good. people will all have different views on whether private investment into the game is a good or a bad thing. But I think one of the, one of the things it does bring is a, is a much more clarity of focus of what's the right thing to do for the future. And um, yeah. Yeah, maybe, that's, maybe that's one of the things that is helping. No, I love it. Love it, Rob. Put your egos on the side and just do what's better for the game, the best for the game. And looking after the, the nations uh, that potentially don't get the funding that they probably deserve, mate. So I appreciate your call, Rob Nickel. Always insightful as always. Take care, mate. We'll get you on shortly. Cheers, Rob. Okay. Cheers, lads. See you. Awesome. There you go, Rob Nickel, Rugby Players Association CEO, just talking about the Silver Lake deal, the changes, and uh, the money that has been invested, and then talking about the global calendar, Louis, pretty good. Bang on. I love that. I, look, there's a couple of key points um, out of there. Just parking the Silver Lake one, going back to what we were talking about yesterday, this is happening. This mm. nation's championship concept is happening. You can hear it. And Rob's, mm. of course, privy to this stuff. Whether it's this year, next year, it's just down to the commercial aspect of that now. And hearing that private equity, what private equity has done between the unions and the club game, that is so promising to hear. It's about ironing out those uh, commercial aspects of it. And the important thing there. CVC and private equity, they know they need the South. Everyone has leverage and they need us. 23 minutes past 7 o'clock, 0800 150 811. Do you feel comfortable with that? Are you excited about the future of international rugby? And back to Izzy's question, closer to home, are you worried about the Bledisloe? Because this is good for Australia too, South Africa, Argentina, it's not just us. Are they going to keep going strength to strength? Give us a call. We'll get to your messages on double eight double three and your calls on 0800 150 811 after this. Here with Chemist Warehouse, Great savings every day. Stuff for your face and body? It's men's skincare with a purpose. Top quality Aussie-made grooming and skincare to help guys look and feel great with no hassles. Plus, Stuff is helping mental health too. Find Stuff at Woolworths or visit websiteofstuff.com.